Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andes Season 5, Episode 2 of the special Season 5. Uh, this is... Uh, Andy Cockerill. You didn't... Hang on. And you did didn't introduce yourself. I am. I am. <laughs> Andy Balaam. <laughs> and... Uh, the the reason this is a special, see that's just smooth, sorry, I'm very smooth. Yeah. Uh, the reason this is a special series, season five, is because uh, because we um, okay. Like, th- this story started out as a long story last week. Let's let's trim it down. So by the time we get to number one, it'll just be like this is what we're doing. Um, we wanted to do uh, a podcast about great horror movies from the eighties. Uh, we realised that there were too many to do with one podcast, so we're doing a whole season. Uh, we've already done, uh, so there's 30, 30 best horror movies of the 20th century, mostly chosen by me. We're counting down. Um, I'm sure there's yeah. some entries in here. I was thinking today, I'm sure there's some entries in, the, the, in this list that are going to annoy people. Yeah, especially, especially me. Uh, however, yeah. I would say that on today's podcast... I would consider the three films today to be stone cold classics. Right. So last last time, which was numbers thirty, twenty nine, and twenty eight, that was a while ago because we've both uh, been busy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah apologies. <laughs> um, we've seen. Uh, I hadn't seen two of them, and the one I had seen, I don't think that. Yeah, I think you so said that we can so the one some... you had seen you thought was frivolous and shouldn't have been on the list. Gremlins. Yeah. yeah it, it's fine. It's yeah. Fine. Okay. And Near Dark sounded like I'd actually like it, and Altered States I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I think you would like Altered States, uh, but I think you would really like Near Dark. Yeah. Anyway, that's last week's episode. We're talking about this week's episode, which is numbers 27, 26, and 25. Yes, and uh, there are some, there's some good stuff here, folks, listener. Right, these are stone cold. Right, so you're confident I'm going to be I'm confident you've seen all, all of them, or at least two of them. Right, but but also you're confident that I think they're gonna live. They deserve to live in yes, the top thirty. Yes, I am. Yeah. Cool. Um, we'll see about that. <laughs> That'll be interesting to see what you we'll think. We'll see about that. Um, so, listener, if you uh, if you agree or disagree uh, with the choices of films in this top thirty, please let us know. Yes. Um, so so we can, can do that you. on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we won't do that. So if you agree with us. <laughs> um, uh, you can do that on the tweeters. Yes, you can. Or on the mastodons. You could do it on the Facebook, so long as you're comf- you're comfortable only communicating with Andy C. I mean, that might make you more. comfortable. Although I will relay those messages to Andy B, and then they'll come back in a garbled okay. form. Um, I'll get them secondhand, secondhand news. Uh, that's a song. Yeah. Secondhand news. Um, shall we? Uh, shall we? Oh, wait, you can also. Uh, although we don't get many people doing this, you can communicate with us via the Good Robot Andy's page, webpage. Yeah, so, yeah, most of our tweets and, or Facebook posts, I presume, have a link back to the to our website. And on our website, you can find all our podcasts and you can listen to them just in the webpage, if you like, or you can subscribe to get them in your um, podcast reader of yes, choice. indeed. Um, but also, e- each episode has a comment section and you can add comments on there you as can. well and we do read and those. we want your comments we want your feedback um just mm-hmm. you know so we can read it out and uh, talk about it 
Yeah, and one, maybe two people have acknowledged our existence through one or more of these forms. Yes, they have. Yeah, um, which is remarkable. It is. So we better crack as on. As you say, remarkable. Let's crack on. <laughs> crack on with number, number twenty. Tw- straight in at number twenty-seven. Straight in at number twenty-seven. It's Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yes. Uh, Nineteen eighty-seven. This came out. It was the. Um, it's a British American horror film. How uh, oh, is it? So many things are British American, yeah. aren't they? Written and directed by a gentleman called Clive Barker, who is, I would say, okay. mainly a no writer, but, right. but has uh, made this and another movie called Lords of Illusion, I think. Uh, which I think I've heard of. Which is pretty seen. good. That was made in the 90s, I think. Uh, but he's mainly a writer. This is actually based on his own novella called The Hellbound Heart. Right. And it's famous, visually famous. Yes. Because it has a bloke with... Called Pinhead. Face. Yeah. A character called Pinhead. Right. Yes, I have seen it. A long Who time is, ago. I would say, uh, one of the cultural icons of the 1980s, Pinhead. Yeah. Really? I think that if you mention the movie Hellraiser... People won't think of, probably won't think of anything else apart from Pinhead. I certainly immediately thought of yeah. Pinhead. Um, All right, tell me about the film. It's a very long okay, time. Okay, it's, it's been a long time. So it was um, Clive Barker's directorial debut, and the film involves the resurrection of a character called Frank, who had opened the door to an alternate dimension and had his body torn to pieces by creatures known as Cenobites. Pinhead is a Cenobite, an, altern, al, an okay, altern, yeah. alternate dimensional creature. So there's a number of, like, is it, it's like several encounters with different creatures? Uh, yeah, so these creatures are called into existence using a puzzle box, which can be okay. configured in different ways, and it, you, know, you sort of have to fiddle with it. It's a bit like a Rubik's Cube, only more sinister. Uh, <laughs> what, more sinister than I know, than is Rubik's that possible? Cube? Um... Mm. Uh, very effectively done bit of physical, you know, sort of uh, clockwork trickery for that box. Mm-hmm. Um, so these creatures are into existence using that box. And years later, Frank's brother Larry, played by Andrew Robinson, who was in also in a TV show called Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He, he played Man. a character in that. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I think Deep Space Nine is okay. Um, I watched quite a lot of it when uh, our baby was very young and we just wanted to have something on the TV. Uh, but then we realised that Mad Men was on um, net- Netflix right. and thought, okay, better. that's better. Um, so we, yeah, Deep Space Nine has got the, the, the incredibly annoying <laughs> Ferengi. Oh, the Ferengi are so irritating. What's that? Like, there's one who's like a bartender. Yeah, Quark. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stand that. <laughs> I can completely understand that. Continue. Okay, so Frank's brother Larry moves into their late mother's abandoned house with his new wife Julia, played by Claire Higgins. And So is it so the the like the the other bit about the other book, that's like a sort of yes, intro. It's an intro, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like okay, a prologue, okay. I suppose. Yeah, that's the word I'm um, and an accident causes some of Larry's blood to spill on the attic floor. <laughs> an accident, in quotes. <laughs> right. 
which triggers uh-huh. Frank's resurrection. So he he comes back right. to life, but he's not complete. He looks like a, he looks right. like he's being flayed alive. Incidentally, the right. the physical effects in this movie are really effective. They're really yeah, and it was a time when yeah. You, you had you didn't have much choice. No, you, you know, so there would have been it's some bit. kind of rotoscoping and some blue screen, but most of this stuff is done in camera, and it's very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, to complete his resurrection, he requires, guess what? More blood. Uh, which Julia... More blood <laughs> of his brother. No, anybody's. So, okay. uh, which okay. Julia provides while... Uh, Larry's daughter discovers Frank's puzzle box, which leads her to meet with the Cenobites. <laughs> so she is then, uh, this character, um, Kirsty, uh, is, um, is then sort of like the central character of the film, the main protagonist of the film. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, a woman in peril. However, you know, she does sort of give, she gives as good as she gets. Um so standard form that the survivors are well it is really yeah it's uh, yeah so uh, since release um, it has divided critics Um, some people just see it as yeah so Melody Maker the the magazine music magazine Melody Maker called it the greatest horror movie made in Britain which I think is a little bit high praise but you know, it's fair. Mm. Um, but Roger Ebert said it had a bankruptcy of imagination, which I <laughs> think is a wonderful phrase. I don't think that's true, though. I think that it is... I can't, I can't think of another film that looks or feels like this uh, until this was made. Um, it spawned nine sequels. Count them. I've seen, <laughs> I think I've seen two of them. <laughs> I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've seen uh, any of them. The first seven of which feature Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead. So he did. He did nicely out mm-hmm. of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I mm-hmm. think um, this film is on the list because it's it. That was yeah. That's, that was my question. Okay. Why is it? What's interesting about? What's it interesting what, about it? Um, I like it because I like it, it because it's uh, you know it's ostensibly a, a British movie. Um, it's got a mostly British mm-hmm. cast. It has um, a really unique look and feel to it. It's very influential. Um, I think Clive Barker is a huge talent. He's, I've, I've read most of his books, uh, found them to be, you know, he writes metaphysical, very imaginative horror books that are right. that are quite, you know, sometimes quite gory, but very often very thought-provoking and interesting. So you don't think it has a paucity of imagination? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I, I think that Hellraiser is a is a really terrific horror movie. Um, so that, I think that's that's why it deserves to be on the list. Um, right. I mean, I, I I'm totally unsurprised that it's on the list because it's it's clearly very influential. Yeah. It's one of the names one of the names you'd expect. I saw it so long ago that I think at the time I probably didn't even appreciate. What what I would appreciate about it, mm. you know, I would have just felt scared by it, I guess, rather than thinking it was yeah, good. Yeah, I, I don't remember but, being massively scared by it. I just being kind of thrilled by it and the look and the feel. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, kind of, it 
it certainly engaged me and I've, I have seen it several times mm. since then. And although mm. I think the effects are starting to look slightly tired, um, for the most part, they really hold up well. Uh, which is quite something right, right, from a right. from a movie that was made on a fairly small budget. Just having a look. You're often 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 what you like about a film is how it yes. looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from that point of view, I mean, the if nothing else, just these the incredibly iconic of image Pinhead. Yeah, is yeah. of Pinhead makes it worthy of including. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's definitely so. And, and although it produced eight. Um, I'd say, I mean, I've seen two sequels. I think the second one is is of interest because it pushes the sci-fi angle a bit further. So these are interdimensional beings. Um, right. So the fact that it's called Hellraiser is kind of, yeah, but it's it's more about the fact that they come from another dimension where where this kind of stuff goes on all the time. Um, so and maybe their dimension could be called hell by some people and maybe that's what it's all mm-hmm. about but certainly in that in that respect it's, it's an interesting idea um, mm-hmm. yeah I, don't, I definitely don't remember getting any of that out of it right okay so yeah the, the, I feel the, like I feel like sometime we should we should do a 30 movie marathon of all these that films. would be amazing back to back <laughs> With no sleep. That would be amazing. And record the whole thing. I'm pretty thing. sure by the time we get to like the middle of it, we'd be hallucinating, which would be terrifying. <laughs> but there's a film there's a film later on in the list that, I, that obviously I'm not going to give away what it is because nobody else knows what they are, mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. derivative of Hellraiser and other sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. but is on the list because it's... It, again, it's visually very, very striking and interesting looking, but I want to give away what that is. Okay, that that's that's Hellraiser. Then. So, yeah. listener, tweet tweet in or comment if you have suggestions for what should be on the list. That's Hellraiser. What is at number twenty? Number twenty six is an iconic film from nineteen ninety nine called The Blair Witch Project. Oh, I love now the Blair we're Witch talking. Project. Yeah. Now we're talking. Um, so this is an American supernatural horror film written, directed and edited by Daniel Merck and Eduardo Sanchez. And it tells the fictional story of three student filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams and Joshua Leonard, who hike in the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. And they disappear, but their video and sound equipment, along with most of the footage they shot, is discovered a year later. And the recovered footage, in quotes, is the film the viewer is watching. So, uh, and it's it's at a time where there weren't that many kind of found footage. No, there weren't. Films. I mean, there had been some during the nineteen seventies and eighties. There's a couple. Mm-hmm. There's one called Cannibal Holocaust, um, mm-hmm. and there's. I haven't seen that. that it is good. good. Yeah, I've got that actually. Uh, and there's also a movie called The Last Broadcast, which is another found footage movie. But they're much older. Mm-hmm. Um, so this mm-hmm. one kind of mm-hmm. revived the found footage format, which since then has never gone away. You know, it keeps coming back mm. for more. Uh, I think probably most notably with the Paranormal Activity uh, franchise, which um, I watched right. the final one that. of recently and found it to be 
appalling. Um, but that, well, yeah, they, they don't really bear much interest. In, they're not. In, yeah, in they're the not very good movies. Um, but I think the first one did well because of word of mouth, and because mm-hmm. um, it makes very good use of jump scares. So it's good in a cinema, I'd say. Probably not right, so good right, at home, right. but good in a in a crowd. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, this this was a revival of the um, of the found footage genre, but what really made this stand out? And my, uh, I was talking to my wife this evening on the phone before this podcast, and she was talking about um, being uh, a you know sort of a uh, a young woman in nineteen ninety nine. And going online in the in the sort of what I would consider to be still a fledgling internet back then. Um, yeah, it was when we were still learning what the internet yeah, was. But these guys, um, they they used the internet to market this film by by trying by by saying it was a real thing, that the found footage was real, yeah, and that the legend was real, and because the internet was so new, we didn't really have any way of. T- telling them they were wrong or proving them wrong. There was no Wikipedia to say this is yeah. fake. Um, so the viral, what what you would now consider to be a viral marketing campaign uh, was genius, absolute genius. Yeah. It was it was one of the first times anyone had done that and it was a kind of, wasn't it, one, what do they call that? Like an alternate reality game or something, you know, where there's kind of, a, someone's invented a whole separate yes. world yeah. buried within the internet. Uh, oh, you mean like um, something like Second Life or something like that? No, I mean um, there's a there's a Nine Inch Nails album where they invented a whole world oh, okay. around it, and there's there's loads of websites and things which are like websites from that right. world. Right, got it. Okay, and I can't remember what the first there was. There was a a game that was that, and that was um, at some point. But yeah, Blair Witch was kind of. The first step on that journey, you know, they made this kind of alternate yeah. reality. And, and I was reminded yeah. when I was listening to uh, listening to Robbie Collin on Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's film program because they're on holiday. But he was talking about The Meg, which is a new giant shark movie with Jason Statham. And he was referring right. to Steven Spielberg's movie Jaws and saying mm-hmm. that, you know, Spielberg basically wrung it dry in Jaws. He he did it so well that any other giant shark movie or shark attack movie immediately refers to Jaws in some way um, Mm -hmm. because it was done so well. And I think that the the viral marketing campaign for the Blair Witch was done so well that if anybody ever tries to do that again, it would just be like, oh, they're just doing a Blair Witch. You know, we know what it is now because they did it so brilliantly. So for me, what was so exciting about the film was, again, that sense of reality. Because I, I, I think it's all shot on like really reasonably realistic. Yes. What the camera is supposed yes, to be, right? Yes, it wasn't shot on high, you know, sort of um, good quality equipment. And it was famous for making people feel sick because it the wobbles, wobbles around, around like crazy, yeah. shakes. Um, some background to this um, is I watched it on a computer monitor. Uh, on a VCD. I don't know if people remember, listeners remember VCD, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which was a video CD, highly compressed. Uh, this was not an official copy, I should add. I have bought an official copy since then. Um, so I watched it 
on a computer monitor in the dark in my flat in London, and it scared me stupid. Absolutely yeah. scared. I remember the, the experience. The first time I watched it, I was really scared. Probably one of my first experiences of simultaneously being really scared and also yeah, really enjoying excited. it. You know, I've watched films that scared me, and and I and they just I just didn't like being scared by them. At this one. I was terrified and I was loving it. And for days afterwards, I was freaked yeah. out and loving yeah. it. <laughs> and there's some great touches during the film. So they, I would say that for the most of the running time, not very much happens. But what mm-hmm. we hear in the forest is other people moving or other entities moving around in the forest. And those, those are mm. the filmmakers running around cracking logs and things like that. Yeah, bagging, bagging pots, pots yeah. <laughs> but also these weird... <laughs> effigies get left outside their tent oh yeah i'm actually i've got shivers just thinking about it now um (laughs) and and the actors really what they do is they really sell the stuff that's happening to them uh they really sell it to the camera so that we believe it as well even though it's all you know it's all artifice yeah, and it, it, I mean, they may have sold us a story about the making as well, but the, the story that I've heard about the making is that a lot of the stuff that happens when they're filming, they don't know it's going to mm. happen, and they're, they are actually pretty freaked out Absolutely, while they're filming yeah. it. So um, I think it's, yeah. And there's the famous snot dripping oh, yeah. scene. Yes, there is. <laughs> got to mention Yeah, that. so uh, talk, <laughs> can you talk about that? So um, I think there's probably only one one person left, or one, you know, this the girl has lost contact with everyone else at this point and she's absolutely and utterly freaked out and scared she sort of retreats into the tent and like with all found footage films there needs to be some kind of excuse for why you're yes. still filming so in that it's, case it's, she is filming it's kind herself. of it's just kind of for company in yeah. some sense you know some feeling that there's someone else there in some way which is the excuse they use in um every other uh, film footage movie uh, what's the one with the alien? Uh, the Godzilla-like alien. The what? Oh, oh. The, the alien. The what? The one, the alien that's like Godzilla. The, the alien that's like Godzilla, but not. Big monster comes to New York. You know. Uh, Godzilla. It, no, found footage. Oh, Cloverfield. Got Cloverfield, it. thank you. Anyway. Sorry. Anyway, Sorry. thanks. <laughs> I need you to come in there yeah, quicker with the thing I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, next time. Um, uh, yeah, so she's sitting there. She's got the camera sort of resting on her knee, looking up her nose. She's bawling she's her crying. eyes out, yeah. terrified. And there's big strings of snot coming out of her nose. <laughs> and you'd never seen anything like that no, at the cinema before. I'd never seen before. that before, no. No. You know, it was... It, it looked like... A, video of someone with a home video camera bawling their eyes out terrified with snot streaming and out she's of actually nose. apologizing and to everybody for, for for taking them into the woods in the first place isn't she yeah. right oh is she, is she? um yeah and, and so the the authenticity of it was what made it so enjoyable and so scary and the final shots we're gonna i'm gonna spoil it spoil it madly Ooh, here are yeah. so effective because she goes into yeah. the house where the Blair Witch is supposed to have lived and her uh, the camera crew that were with her 
are in the corners with their with their backs with to her uh, and it's just so simple and yet so creepy yeah they the because there's something about the myth that you have to stand yes, in the corner that's or something, right, yeah, right? Or yeah. something and and then you you just get the briefest shot of someone standing in the corner but standing in a really yeah, really, weird really way, strange like, way yeah. like they're not yeah. all right and it, yeah that that thing of um they just nailed it they nailed the thing that freaks yeah. you out absolutely yeah it's i think i think blair witch project is an amazing cultural event as much as it is as much as it yeah. is a horror a great horror movie um the yeah. yeah, and for me personally, yeah, that part of the dawning of just loving being really scared. Yeah, for me, it's like being on a really good fairground ride that you know is yeah. going to end. You're scared witless, but you're you're okay with it. Yeah, I think that some things some things just get to you depending what your personality is. Mm. And, um, that kind of thing stays with me afterwards. And I feel freaked out afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, like that. absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a terrific movie. So that is number. Sorry, I'm just referring back to my list. That was twenty six. Okay, we're on to twenty five then. Twenty five is from nineteen ninety, and it is a movie called Jacob's Ladder. Oh, yeah. Jacob's Ladder. Um, so this is an American psychological horror film directed by Adrian Lyne, who is a British director who made. A couple of, <clears throat> I would consider to be quite zeitgeisty 80s movies, um, maybe 80s slash 90s, uh, Flashdance, which may not be to everyone's cup of tea, but certainly spawned, you know, he was, uh, I think he was a video, pop video director as well. Um, right. Flashdance is, Dance? is a, the credible story of a woman who is a welder who decides to to enter a dancing competition. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it, it was referenced in the, the movie The Full Monty, uh, where where they are right. studying uh, dancing and they're watching flash dance. And one of them says, when he's watching the welding, says, those welds are never hold. Which is <laughs> a funny line. Um, so Adrian Lyne, he also made a movie called Nine and a Half Weeks that... I think made right. which uh, I've obviously yeah. heard of, but I don't really know okay. much. So about. neither of the neither of those movies are horror movies, but uh, they are quite stylish. You know, they're stylish looking. They're, again, visually. In- Give me like a ten second summary of what nine. It's about um, a guy played by uh, Mickey Rourke in full shambling Mickey Rourke mode before he got beaten up in the boxing ring and. Um, had a lot of plastic surgery um but he's still a terrific actor but back then he was i would suppose probably one of the biggest stars in film uh him and kim basinger basinger um depending on where you live uh that's uh yeah enter into a i'd say a fairly light snm type relationship so he's kind of dominant mm-hmm. and she isn't and um they get off on that kind of thing. It's very MTV, it's quite light, but as with Flashdance, it's visually really good, you know, it's really interesting. Um So is it so famous just because it's a bit controversial? Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. There there's some okay. very light okay. um I'd say very soft porn in it. 
um, right. if that kind of thing floats your boat, which it, which personally doesn't for me, but visually it is good. And I think the leads are good in it. Um, as as mm-hmm. a piece of work, there are better movies that illustrate that kind of relationship, like the Wachowskis' um, Bound that they made before The Matrix, uh, which is a very right. interesting study of um, a sort of uh, complex relationship between two women who get involved with the mob. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's a good movie, Bound. It's worth a look if you're sort of looking back. That's the movie that... Mm. Warner Brothers, when when they came to Warner's with The Matrix, Warner said, look, we don't really understand this, but here's this script that we've been given. Um, why don't you make this instead and show us what you can do? And they made Bound, and it was a big hit. So so oh, wow. Warner said, okay, That's yeah, you, you can make The Matrix. And then, of course, Warner's famously shut down production on The Matrix because they didn't understand it. Um I don't yeah, know that. yeah, it was shut down. I can't remember how long for, but um, I presumably some. They should have shut it down after the. Well, first they one. should have done. Yeah, I, I, that is true. Yeah. Have, have the Wachowski brothers made any? They've other made films? lots of films since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, really? Maybe I should because I really like the Matrix. Maybe I should check the other. You films should do... out. Although they've lost all of my faith <laughs> after the sequels. Uh, uh, They've After made the some very interesting films since then. I wouldn't say that they've all been massively successful. Didn't one or both of them change they gender? They both well? have now, yeah. Yeah, right, they okay. both have. Anyway, Jacob's Ladder. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, that's okay. Uh, so it stars uh, Tim Robbins, Elizabeth Pena and Danny Aiello. Uh, I don't know who Liz- Elizabeth Pena is, but Tim Robbins is a bit of an 80s and 90s icon. Yeah. Tim Robbins, awesome. It, including, he's in a film where he plays a politician. Bob Roberts, is that... Bob Roberts. That's yeah, it's great. A great and Danny Aiello is terrific. He's a big, tall Italian-American actor. Who's, he's done a lot of mob movies, I guess. Um, so the film's protagonist, Jacob, played by Tim Robbins is a Vietnam veteran who experiences prior to and during the war uh, result in strange, fragmentary visions and bizarre hallucinations that continue to haunt him. And as his ordeal worsens, Jacob desperately attempts to figure out the truth. Uh, I've seen this a couple of times. There's the shaky face men. Yeah, the shaky face men. I mean, this film is super creepy. Super, super creepy. I think... Um, it drew from several inspirations for its story and effects, including the short film An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge and the paintings of Francis Bacon. Now, now I'm reading that, I can make sense of that because Francis Bacon's paintings right. are quite unsettling to look at. You know, they're kind of very stylized portraits of of people um, that are, right, that are right, quite right. grotesque. And there's certainly some grotesquery mm-hmm. on display in Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, the, the sense of discomfort. Yes. Just he's just he's just trying to have an ordinary life, but suddenly everything everything's is wrong, isn't it? Every corner, around every corner, everything's terrifying. Mm. And yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so it has been very influential on, uh, particularly. Um, there's a there's a, uh, a video game called Silent Hill, um, right. and uh, I think. 
Yeah, it's very influential on that. And also, this is also influential on the same film that I talked about that uh, that Hellraiser is an influence <laughs> on that's later on in the list. <laughs> For one scene okay. in particular. You better tell us about... When we get there, you better tell us about I'll, it. Otherwise, I'll, we're going to feel I'll deeply call back unsatisfied. To it. Yeah. So, um, uh-huh. so the film talks about, I think, the fact that that Jacob and his 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 buddies in the platoon uh, have been experimented on um, during the war. Mm-hmm. So they've been mm-hmm. given psychotropic drugs, uh, of which he is now experiencing flashbacks to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's an enormously unsettling film. It has some of the. Mm. Um, some of the some I think some of the most iconic imagery ever put on film in this, particularly the shaky faced people and the weird visions that he has of stuff that's going on around him, which are really unsettling. Mm. Yeah, it's so, so uncomfortable, uncomfortable yeah. and, it, and it feels. And again, yeah, with um, it, it, it puts you in the skin of someone who who just can't. Um, he was just terrified of everything because everything's really scary, not because. Yeah. yeah. So again, with um, the same with uh, the Blair Witch Project, uh, the cast in this absolutely sell the idea to us. You mm-hmm. know, we don't we don't question it. We don't think, oh, this is a bit strange. We're just completely drawn into the um, to the idea. So I'm also I'm looking at the supporting cast. There's some really great actors in this. So. In addition to the people I've already mentioned, we've got Jason Alexander, who was in Seinfeld, as mm-hmm. George Costanza, uh, Eric LaSalle from ER, Ving Rhames is in it, um, and a very uh, actually probably not a very early performance from Macaulay Culkin, an uncredited performance from Macaulay Culkin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. So uh, Jacob's Ladder is is wonderful. It's really wonderful. And why is it in the list? What's what's you okay. said it's in, vis, visually visually influential. very influential. Um, it's in the list because I don't think enough people have seen it. Uh, you know, you and I have seen it. I think that I think that probably most lovers of genre have probably seen it, but I think it deserves a bigger audience. I think it's a terrific film. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I was lucky to catch it. Like it wasn't on the the known list of must watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I you know, uh, it certainly is a film that stuck with me. There are images in this film that you feels... that have that are still replayed in my mind sometimes. Mm. It feels less of a horror, less obviously in the horror well, genre. It's yeah. I, mean, I don't know what it's else. It's a psychological it is, but, horror. Know. So you know, I yeah. I think I talked about on the first podcast that there are you know there's 30 horror movies in this list uh there's psychological horror movies that maybe never show very much in the way of injury detail or you know gore or blood but scare you witless anyway or or unsettle you i mean in fact in in the blair witch project i don't think there's any actual bloodletting in that it's just a psychological no there's nothing no, at all in nothing that, at all. It? Whereas the likes of Hellraiser is very gory. <laughs> it's very gory. Mm, mm. Um, so, and there will be, you know, there's there's exa- other examples of that in the list, which I won't go into. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> because that would be wrong. In fact, um, in the next three, 
which I'm not going to talk about, but I will say that one of them <laughs> I've only seen bits of, and I'm going to have to watch especially for this podcast. Oh, yeah, exciting. very exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's in the list because it's utterly iconic. But I've never but I've never seen right, it right, all. Right. So uh, cool. So I think you've scored you've scored three hits there. I think if I was making a top thirty of 20th century horror films, I would include Hellraiser, Jacob's Ladder, and The Blair Excellent. Witch Project. I've done well there, then. My work here is done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excellent. All right. Uh, is, that, is that... Are we done? Is that our, is that our pod? I think that's done. I was, I was looking through... Um, Twitter. I saw that Jordan Peele, who did he direct he did. Get Out? Yes. Yeah. He was he was tweeting about a film which I've not seen anything about until this, but I saw a trailer for it just now. Uh, it's called The Oath. Okay. And it looks. It almost reminded me of Mother. I don't think it's as extreme Mother. as that, but it looks to me like a a social scenario that breaks down into chaos. Uh, potentially violence, but the social scenario is a family Thanksgiving get-together where some of the family are conservative and some of them are liberal, for okay. want of better words for those So things. this isn't directed by And you. it all kind of goes pear-shaped. Uh, this is directed right. by someone called Ike Barinholtz, who I have right. heard of. But it's, it says something about the producer, from the producers of yeah, Get Yeah, so that's Blumhouse. Oh no! Hang on. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's a bit released in October. So it says here. So that looks sort it of. It says here production companies are QC Entertainment, twenty three slash thirty four pictures, and Aperture Media Productions. So it doesn't look like Bloomhouse are involved in this. So. Right. I guess maybe just the actual people or yeah, persons. Yeah. Maybe. But um. It, it, I, I really feel like I really don't want to watch it because I hate that whole American mm. politics and the fact that they hate each other thing. But I, I sort of I'm attracted to it because if it could sort of help with that, they just hate each other thing. You know, if it was part of some kind of resistance against that or something, that would be cool. But I guess you'd have to watch it to know whether. Mm. Whether it was just more of that or trying to be something different. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, the premise sounds interesting. It sounds quite high concept. Yeah, and it does look at like a kind of descend into madness. Is that a new genre? Descend now? into madness. With Mother. Uh, ah. Maybe. I mean, I watched, a, I watched a movie a few weeks ago called Mum and Dad with uh, Nicolas Cage. In it, in full-on Nicolas Cage mode. Oh, Nicolas Cage. <coughs> Have you made any good films? Yes. Ever? So, Mum and Dad is very good. Uh, the premise okay. of which is another high-concept premise, and it's um, for some unknown reason, for some kind of Night of the Living Dead type reason, <laughs> um, parents are attacking their own children, but only their own children, okay. not other people's children. Um, okay. So. Uh, he plays one of the parents along with, uh, no, I can't remember the actress's name, who plays his wife. They have two children. Um, and it was in, I, th I found it to be very entertaining. 
for such a dark, disturbing subject, it manages to wring a lot of laughs out of it, which is, I think, a, a measure of what, you know that it's a decent, it's a decent film. You know, it's very exploitative, mm-hmm. uh, and Nicolas Cage is very entertaining. <laughs> In fact, I was reading an article about Nicolas Cage the other day by uh, actor Ethan Hawke, and he said that Cage has basically taken the art of acting to a whole different place uh, in the way that Marlon Brando did during the 50s and 60s. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. changed the face of it by just having this kind of heightened aspect of acting that other people just don't do. And if they do do it, it comes across as being terrible. When Cage does it, sometimes, in fact most of the time, it really works. I'm going to take his face. Yeah, I don't like face off very much. <laughs> I don't like it. But but I I, you know. I always said this was years ago, but I always said that Nicolas Cage was the male equivalent of Michelle Pfeiffer in that uh he's a great actor and he's almost always in terrible Yeah, that's films. that's fair. Yeah. I think there are a couple of exceptions to that. So he is terrific in David Lynch's Wild at Heart, which is a fantastic movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there have to be exceptions, otherwise you wouldn't know yeah, that's that they true. were great. And right. he's very, very good in the Coens um, Raising Arizona. Uh, and certainly Wild at Heart is an example of full ball, like Nicolas Cage, but it works in that movie. His mm-hmm. performance is, is incredible in that film. Yeah, Wild at Heart is really good. Yeah, he's good. At, he's definitely good in some yeah. things. Michelle Pfeiffer always felt like such a waste that she was in things like Tequila Sunrise. That's a terrible movie. <sighs> but she's in good... I mean, she's in... Like, she was in Mother, Mother, so maybe... Maybe she's not been locked out of Hollywood yet and we'll get more Michelle Pfeiffer Well, Fyfer let's hope films. so. The more the better, I think. She, she was a teenage obsession was of she? mine. A, te- a Hollywood mm. crush. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Thanks to Batman Returns. Oh, wow. Batman Returns. <laughs> That's a great film. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's one of the one of the all-time It's one of the best greats. Batman movies. <laughs> I like it. I like the original Batman but better for film quality. But, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is awesome. Yeah, she is really film. good. And, and um, an unrecognisable Danny DeVito, who, who yeah. puts in a really terrific performance. Yeah, I, yeah Batman... Returns is, is I think, much better than the first movie. Oh, right. No, no, I, uh, as a film, I think the first one's okay. better. But, but for Michelle Pfeiffer, I, would, I wouldn't watch the first one. I'd watch no, the no, one. absolutely. Because yeah. she's in it. Yeah, she's in it. I'd watch anything with her in. Uh, even The Fabulous Baker Boys, which is not a good film. Yeah, I would. I have watched The Fabulous Baker Boys several times because yeah. she's in it. Also, Tequila Sunrise. Also... Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I quite like What Lies Beneath, but it's not exactly yeah, stretching. Yeah, What Lies Beneath yeah. is good. I think we've discussed these before, actually. Listener will be thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Andy Balaam has got an obsession <laughs> yeah. with Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> so what else is new? What else is new? I apologise, listener. <laughs> it's not new news. <laughs> no, it's not new news. It's been true for about 25, 25 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I had a I had a fleeting obsession with um Kelly McGillis from Top Gun. 
Oh, really? I don't really yeah. remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked her curly bob haircut. <laughs> Maybe that was it. That was the only thing. <laughs> just, you just found her hairstyle pleasing. I found her hairstyle pleasing, and also the fact that there was a woman in the film distracted you from the fact that all of the pilots wanted to sleep with each other. Because that's basically what that film is about. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't a very effective distraction. No. no, not really. I think the volleyball scene in that film is one of the most homoerotic. Maybe not deliberately so, but certainly. I don't think there's any way that, that when they were filming that that they didn't think that this is hugely homoerotic. But anyway, it is. <laughs> we should do the um, top thirty accidentally erotic films. Well, just widen it to erotic. I'm not sure we can do 30. So the top 30 uh, unintentional erotic scenes. That's very specific. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure I can be bothered to... I'm not sure... Maybe maybe a listener could post them, but I'm not sure I can be bothered to think about that. We might might, um, ruin our age rating. Uh, Yeah, I think we would. Yeah. I think we would. Well, why don't you just tweet them, listener? Yeah, y- you can tweet us some hear, suggestions. Yeah, your your top three. Yeah, top three would be good. <laughs> send send us your top three, or put a comment on the blog. Yeah, yeah. Or do something on Facebook if you book must. Book face the f- the book of face. Or send it on. Uh, send it to uh, to me on there Mastodon. You go. There you go, Mastodon. Be part of the new Mastodon. movement. Or have you Mast- noticed that Mastodon keeps getting mentioned? On Facebook. Uh, no, in, in Twitter. There was an article on, there was an article on Wired about oh, it, good. and there's there's flocks flocks of people are, are going to Mastodon. That's what they're all. That's what. Yeah, yeah, in their hundreds of thousands. Are they? Not in their millions, but in their hundreds. of And thousands, is Mastodon yeah. mainly for techie types, or are regular sort of you know people who are not techie types are they heading to Mastodon as well? I think. I mean, these things always start with. Techie yeah, types. true. Um, but I think there's there's some movement that's a bit that's wider than that. There's also some countries that have adopted it because of presumably because of some feeling against Twitter or Facebook in their country. So there's some international communities that are bigger. Yes. Um, okay. But the English language. I mean, I, it's hard for me to tell because the bit of Mastodon that I'm in is quite techie because that's who I yeah. hang out with. There's also quite a big art. Following, I've been trying to get into that art community. There's a there's an instance called Mastodon Art, and it's a lot of um, independent artists posting their stuff, looking for commissions, and just and just encouraging each other in creating. That's art. interesting. That's it's quite a lot of geeky yeah, that's art. Nice, I like that. Oh, yeah. Some non geeky as well. Cool. It's a pretty cool place. I mean, as soon as all the hordes get onto it, it'll be just as bad as Twitter. But the difference is. Um, it's not run by one entity, so people can run their own instances differently. And if you don't like horrible people, you can go on an instance that blocks all horrible nice. people. And, yeah, that's good. Um, you, you're part of a small, you like it's a small community rather than this massive monolith. Yeah, that is with terrible double standards. Twitter, and the the communities interact with each other. You're not isolated to that small community, but you're also you are part of some something smaller, as well as being able to interact with something nice. bigger. Maybe it works. 
Excellent. Okay. Should we do some plugging? Let's okay. do some plugging. I kind of did some. Now, All right, I'll do, do some. some. Um, I present a radio show on Glastonbury FM 107.1 in the... Ooh, in the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Somerset, uh, down the street mm-hmm. near the Wells. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Cheers. And uh, so that goes out on a live on a Thursday between 6 and 7 p.m. Uh, you can listen on the on radios. The radio. uh, you can also listen online on the internet. If you search up Glastonbury FM, then you can listen listen over the internet. There are podcast highlights which are now up to date. He makes an air grab, air grab. Um, <laughs> <laughs> up to date. Uh, you can find those uh, if you search for movie mashup in your. There's no camel case, no caps, one word, in your. No, no camel, camel case, case, no caps. caps uh, hashtag get involved. No camel uh, case, no caps. In your podcasting <laughs> app of choice, you will find them. So that's yeah. Goes out live between six and seven on Thursday. <laughs> is repeated on Friday at two p.m. It's movie reviews, it's music, it's me talking about stuff that's on locally. I occasionally have a live guest. I had one in, um, uh, when did I have a live guest? Back in so July time. The editor of a magazine called The Basis came in to talk about movies that are coming up in the next three months. And he'll be back in September to do the same thing, <coughs> which is cool. So, um, yeah. That's me. That's my plugging. Cool. Um, my plugging. Uh, I've just this week made a new release, the first release for quite a long time, of my Android game, which is called Rabbit Escape. Um, it's about. It's a. It's a copy of Lemmings. If you. If that means anything to you, you have to rescue some rabbits who are trapped in in puzzly mazes, uh, and get them to the exit. Um, the exciting new feature for the new release, which is exciting because it mean, it opens up all kinds of interesting new levels, level mm. ideas, um, is there are these new characters called the Rabbots who are uh, robot rabbits. <laughs> it's like the good robot Andy, the but good he's a robot, bad, bad ro- robot, bad robot rabbits. rabbits. Yeah, and they uh, when they come into contact with a rabbit, they explode, killing oh, wow. both of them. Um, it's... Uh, it's like cartoon violence, don't worry, it's really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, but you can control these rabbits by placing tokens the same way you control the rabbits. They obey your commands. Um, but keep them away from the rabbits. Right, keep them away. Uh, so t- so there's 20 new levels with rabbits in, making a total of 160 wow. levels. How much does it I don't cost? Know, how much does it cost? To buy this game? Well... It's available for free on the Google Play Store with no ads, no in-app purchases. It's available for free on F-Droid, the free software Android store. It's available on the Play Store for 60p if you want to pay. You get the same thing. You should pay. But you can pay. Um, And it's also available to download from the website for free, um, not only for Android, but also for your computer, for your Windows, Mac, or Linux computer. Um, There are instructions... Uh, it's fun. You can make levels for it. There's a little community of us who make levels for it. We have a lot of fun. Join us. Join That's it for me. Us. <laughs> Join um, us. Incidentally, uh, you should pay for it because that will help to support Andy Balaam's monstrous coffee habit. <laughs> also, <laughs> it will um, it will help to support Google because Google is struggling. Oh, I know. So. Yeah, have you seen their share price lately? Yeah, it's 
terrible. No, no it's not terrible. It's uh... yeah. Don't uh, <laughs> yeah. If you if you would like to um, pay money, more of which goes to me and less of which goes to Google, uh, check out my Patreon. Mm. Um, you can pay me some money there if you like. Do, <laughs> do what you what like. like. Don't do that. I mean, I've got a job. I do this for fun. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. It's all for fun, folks. And yeah. and of course, your adulation. Uh, I'm talking to the I'm yeah, talking to the listener, that. there, not you. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't got my. <laughs> no, <adulation>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can continue trying to. I shall it. continue to. Tr- Sorry, are you talking about the listener or me? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, right. you. The listeners, the listener has yeah, my adulation. Absolutely, yes. I think for reaching this far, you have our adulation. For getting this far in the podcast, yeah, well done. Yeah, well done. And if this is the first podcast, we should have said this at the beginning, but it's actually not allowed to start listening from here. You have to go back and listen to the terrible <laughs> first season, what, the badly recorded one, um, and and the terrible second season, third, fourth, and then you'll reach the terrible fifth oh, season. Oh no, <clears throat> there's some gems in there. There's some gems. <laughs> yeah, we should do the editing yes, highlights. Definitely, we shouldn't. We're no, we're going to do that. There's no time. You have to, you have to yep. listen to it. The all. whole thing, the whole shebang, the whole enchilada, K- kit and caboodle. The whole kit and caboodle, the big A one, the big Kahuna, etc. The, et the whole, the whole, yeah, the whole nine yards. <laughs> um, I think that's it. I think, Do you we, think have. we finished. <laughs> See you next time. I apologize. Okay. Again, listener, for yeah. everything. Bye. See you next time. Bye.